0: This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, brought to you by Profits Plus Solutions. Increasing your profits, plus building your business for the future. We are Profits Plus. You can find us at profitsplus.org. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now, the host of Small Business Conversations, principal of Profits Plus Solutions. Here is Tom Shea.
1: And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the program. This is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. Okay, so you've already heard enough of the vision jokes in 2020, so we won't go down that avenue. Welcome to Small Business Conversations. As we start another year, another great program to start off our our year of experts that we like to find folks who are very kind to donate their time, bring their area of expertise, as we have found over the past decade plus, we find people who are very knowledgeable, relevant to what we do, and as I was just at a trade show yesterday, it was really warming to hear multiple people saying, you know, I listen to the program, I get great ideas, and I remember the night you had a person on, and this was the area of expertise, so that's the whole intent of this one. Uh, as always, Small Business Conversations is recorded. We put it on the ProfitsPlus.org website in two formats. The first one is an MP3 format for those who have uh, an Android, iPhone, uh, someone still walking around with an iPod, or any other type of listening device that you can download it. It's also available as a click and listen link that is on the ProfitsPlus website. And that all happens just as soon as our information stud, Bruce Giroux in Orlando, Florida, grabs this file, does the necessary massaging and magic to it, and gets it up to the website. It also goes up to a whole bunch of podcast services, because apparently we've started building the fandom out in podcast land. So let me share with you, if you are going to listen to us on a podcast, you can go to Anchor. You can go to Apple Podcast, you can go to Breaker, Castbox, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pandora, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, Apple's HomePod and Google Home, so you can say, you know, hey. And I would say the word. Except I have a couple of those gadgets here in my office, and as soon as I do that, the um, echo is going to start talking to me, and my iPhone is going to start talking to me. So you know, you all know what the magic words are that what you say. uh, That I don't want to trip them. But that's where all the places that you can grab it. We also will make a point during the course of the program to tell you the where's and how to get in touch with our guests because they bring special information and our intent is you will probably find somebody out there that you need to take and listen to or engage them in their services to help you in your small business. Okay, that being said, we have a bunch of questions and we have a special guest tonight. Um When you describe what we all do, we are small business owners, and within that, quite often people like to reference us as a family business. We are family-owned small businesses, and there's a neatness to that. There's a cuteness to that, to knowing, oh, it's, and you've heard the expression, it's a mom-and-pop shop. Okay, well, those of us who are mom-and-pop shops, that means there's mom and there's pop, and there's two people, and the thing is, just as it was with my great-grandparents back in the 1920s, at the end of the day, this is not two people who pack up and go their separate ways. These are people who go home and have dinner with each other, and they're around each other. And sometimes it's like mine, great-grandma and grandpa and my grandparents, but sometimes there's children, there's siblings, um, well, again, like my great-grandparents, at one point there were five sons. And while some of them went their different ways uh, at different points, there, there, were, there they were being involved in the family business. Well, it sounds neat. Uh, my father has long since passed. My mom is still alive. And as I visit with one of my siblings... Uh, particularly the sibling that lives closest to where my mom is living. And she will tell me things about mom. And I says, let me tell you about it, what it was like when we were in business together. It's amazing. There's four of us. We had the same mother, the same father. Let me just say that the observation that we make about our mother, mine is substantially different than my siblings. Because they will say something and I'll go, you weren't around mom and dad other than being a child for 20 years. You didn't work with mom and dad for 20 years. You didn't experience it that while we might have gone to mom and dad's house for a dinner at some point. You didn't just go through like eight, ten hours of the day being with the two of them side by side. There was a whole lot of dynamics and things that went on that we, When I walk into the house to see mom and dad, it's not like a, oh, wow, great. Hi, mom and dad. How are you? Haven't seen you in a while. How's everything with you? Uh, mine is going to be a little more of a, didn't I just leave you like 45 minutes ago? And here we are. And either we do or we don't want to bring up whatever it is that occurred during the hours that we were together. That's family business. And my experience over the years is I hear people telling me stories about what goes on and asking me questions. I I can think about a couple. Poor amazing, I can remember exactly in a hotel in front of an elevator. And it was the daughter who was working for the parents, and she was married, and she was asking questions. At that point in time, I did not know tonight's guest. I wish I had known tonight's guest at that point in time. Because I would have gladly shared my opinion, which I did. But I would say, you know, you really need an expert on this. Someone who, this is their thing. This is, this is what he does for a living. He makes a point to study, understand. Most importantly, he counsels and he advises people who are in a family business about the decisions that they make and how they are to work with each other. So my guest tonight, let's see, let me cue up. i got a little special song for him. It's time for the Family Feud. It's time for the Family Feud. Well, that's how, I'm about how it was with us. But our guest tonight, author of the book, Dirty Little Secrets of Family Business, Henry Hutchison. Henry my good friend, how are you, and are you there? I am here, and I'm doing great. Thanks, Tom. You know, we appreciate This is your second appearance on the program. I appreciate you coming back, because you feel a very needed service in the industry of people who have family businesses. There is a lot to the dynamics, and, but it's not like a you just decided to do that. Uh, for example, you have, after your name, you have a bunch of letters, what do all those letters mean behind your name? <laughs> Gosh. Uh,
2: well, I've got an MBA. I think everybody knows that, but uh, I am a CMC, so I'm a certified management consultant through uh, IMC, the Institute of Management Consultants, a, it's kind of the governing body for folks who are consultants worldwide. So I think okay. that's – oh, actually, I'm also a certified family business advisor. So I guess that's pretty relevant to today's topic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the the point I want to make is compared to some people I run in out there that say, yeah, I once worked in a small business, so I'm qualified to do something, or uh, I have a friend who has a, a series of letters that you do uh, – not the same letters – but his letters deal with the idea of store design. And he said, bunch, a bunch of letters. And as I visit with him, I know he tells me about his aggravation with the people out there who say, oh, yeah, I can help you redesign your business. I can do your sales floor. And he goes, they're just winging it. They just think they know what's pretty. Or they're into feng shui and say, you know, I just I have a feel for this. And he goes, it, it aggravates him because he says, I've studied this, I've taken classes, and I've spent time to get certifications in that. So um, yours is in the same vein. I'll ask you in a moment, I already know the answer, and that is you have personal experience with two family businesses in your history, but this isn't just a I've been down this path before so I know what to do. You have taken a lot of time and effort and money to have these multiple credentials to say, I'm very qualified to deal with the dynamics that occur in a family business. Is that kind of it without puffing your chest too much for you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess if you're going to be serious about what you do, you need to learn as much as you can and become an expert. And part of that is, you know, going through the, if there's some external training out there that you can be a part of and get certified in, then you should. Unfortunately, I think I've run Uh, out.
1: (laughs) And as I mentioned, in both sides of your family, there is uh, family business ownership. So uh, tell everybody, on your mother's side, what's the family business?
2: Uh, Yeah, my grandfather was Owen Mills. We were the largest um, photography studio chain in the United States and uh, UK,
1: Canada, um, Germany. So yeah. So almost all of us, somewhere in a box, sitting somewhere in our home, has got to be a picture of us, and perhaps us with our siblings, and down in the corner, I seem to think it was the lower right corner. It says Olin Mills. Yep. That was yeah, the that signature. Says, oh, everybody, okay. So here we are. Take. Speaking tonight with a later generation of Olin Mills. Okay, so now let's go over to Dad's side. So, my great grandfather and his
2: brothers founded Peerless Woolen Mill uh, located in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and they were the um, supplier of all, they were the largest privately held woolen mill in the country at one point. And they provided all of the woolen blankets to the military in World War One and World War Two.
1: So if we see a blanket, and I, I, I think, as you mentioned for the military, I think about that uh, drab Thick, green, heavy, rough wool blanket. Yeah, rough feel to it, and you go. Gosh, I better have something between me and it, because that just feels like a rough kind of fabric. Like, I do not want that next to my skin. Um, yep. But it's off warm your side and it's heavy, it's
2: heavy duty. It's heavy duty. It's, heavy, it's military
1: grade. Yeah. So if I'm out there in Wyoming or Colorado someplace and it's ugly weather, I am very thankful that I've got a peerless blanket to keep me warm. Yep. Yep. So... You kind of demolished that um, that old saying of uh, that goes, I'm trying to think who gets the credit for having said this, uh, a man who's had a cat by the tail knows a lot more than the man who read about it. So you're kind of like, you are the man who's had the cat by the tail because it's in the family business, but you're also the man who read a whole lot about it because you have got all these degrees that have this special niche to them.
2: Well, and you know what's really interesting because I you know I, I people ask me this all the time, but frankly, I mean yeah my both of those are important, but I you know as a consultant, you've heard this before, we've all heard this before, I have learned so much from my clients that it's just immeasurable, so while I have helped them, I have learned a ton from trying to help my clients' family businesses figure out how to resolve their issues, transition the business from one generation to the next from a business and a personal perspective um, that every every new family business I deal with, I learn a ton. So I bring all that learning to the
1: next family business. So kind of like that um, series of commercials that we see on TV for insurance, about the and I can't think who the actor is. It's like we know a lot about this because we've seen a lot of this. Uh, why it was Farmers Insurance or something to that effect? You're that guy, but just in the in the family business marketplace. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. So let's start with. You use the word makes sense to me. Uh, family business, or if someone wants to call it mom and pop. Um, so define for me, do you, do you have some kind of a definition as to what is a family business?
2: Well, I mean, on the face of it, it seems real simple that you know you are in some business enterprise with somebody that you're related to. It could be your wife, your child, your parents, your aunt, uncle, cousin, whoever it may be. But the really interesting thing is that I have had a number of clients that I have dealt with that were not actually related, but they started the business together and they were kind of, quote-unquote, blood brothers. And so when okay. they were transitioning the business, they reached out to me to say, hey, look, um, we're not really family, but we feel like family. We care about each other a lot, and we I want to make sure, we want to make sure that as we go through this transition that we're doing it right because I don't want to – I don't want to hurt, nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings as we try to go through this process. So I've had lawyers, accountants, architects, all sorts of professional service firms where there happened to be at that level of emotion that was, you know, they felt that it was the same level as being a family member. So I find that interesting.
1: So if we see a business, and I'm thinking from childhood days in Arkansas and later days in Uh, living in Florida. uh, I think of a business that was called S&Q Clothing Store. I think about a later one here in St. Petersburg that was called Edgerton & Moore. So unless S was related to Q or Edgerton was related to Moore, this would be a business that's in this category. Two people went together at some point in time, started a business, and perhaps when S is leaving Q... Or when the next generations have come in behind it, we've got these opportunities. Because I do not want to make this all out to it's it, This is all family feud stuff. I mean, to me, that was just, in picking the music for today, It's like, no, nah, this is too easy a song, too, too good a song to pass up.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: So sometimes it's along the lines of what you've said. It's people who go, we want this to come out nice and neat for, for both of us. But I think as we visit today, you're also going to tell me that sometimes this is—we've uh, got a feud going on. We got a problem.
2: Well, and it's kind of the nature of it. When somebody's entering a business, or more specifically exiting a business, um, and that exit is—you know—coincides with some kind of transition, um, it raises a myriad of questions. That need to be answered in order to kind of execute on the transition, and working through all of what does he want, what does she want, what do they need. Um, there are landmines that are out there that people can accidentally step on unintentionally that hurt somebody's feelings, and now you have a potential argument. You're misunderstanding each other, feelings are hurt, and you don't want to go there. You know, I, need, I want to get. We both want to get onto the other side of where we need to go. But we don't want to – getting through it can be awkward, and it's nice to have a guide. It's nice to have a guide get you through that so that, hey, we're all still friends. We're all still family. We all still love each other, and we've all gotten to the other side of, you know, getting everything that we need from the business and money and, you
1: know, life's goals and dreams, etc. So as you describe this, this makes me think that as it's occurring – that what we need sitting at the table is someone who is a very calming voice voice of reason one that can help us to step back look at things and uh, perhaps not get overly excited about getting across the finish line here so I'm like a kid with christmas a little overly excited wanting Christmas morning and uh, can't quite seem to re- remember there are other things that have to come along the way to, to get us to that point. Those, are those the type of emotions we're talking about that get involved here? You know, that,
2: that and, you know, a lot more. Um, frankly, I mean, from that perspective, it's really that you've got to, when you have the more people you have involved, the more different perspectives you have at play and more needs that need to be met and everybody's got their own opinion and goals and desires and so on and so forth. So it's nice to, to have somebody in the inside who's a part of it trying to solve the problem, especially if it's the mom or the dad or the leader of the business. Um, you know, what we're talking about is how do we figure out a way to make you not be the leader anymore and have somebody else be the leader? Having the current leader lead that is awkward. So having somebody merely from the outside helps a lot because now they've got no vested interest. You know, I'm here for everybody. And oh by the way, I've done this before, I care, I you know, I've got personal experience with it. And oh by the way, I've got twenty years of experience working at IBM all over the world, so which is you know, let's not forget the fact that yes there's family, but there's also business. So, you know, HR functions, compensation. Can we look at the financial statements? What's your marketing plan? What's your marketing budget? What's your product development process? And is it all agreed to? It goes on and on and on. So it's not like you can just – I mean, some people do. You can go get a therapist, and we can all talk. We can improve the way we communicate with each other. (laughs) But if our argument is over how we're going to portray our financial statements, and you've never seen a financial statement before in your life, it's going to be pretty difficult to help them with that. You know, Who should get paid for what? We're arguing about salary, and family members and bonuses and who gets how much ownership? Well, if you're just a therapist that helps them communicate and you've never done that before, you know, you're not going to be able to help them much. So there are, two, there are two pieces here. I mean, there's there's definitely the family, but let's not forget there's also a, the required business component that goes along with this. Well,
1: you bring up a lot of things. I, can, I, I think about some folks that I knew in... Um, The South, similar situation. Uh, We're going to take our first break of the evening. Let me tell everyone that tonight, for Small Business Conversations, our guest is Henry Hutchison. And Henry is the president of a business called Family Business USA. His niche is helping people in family business situations. Uh, We're going to look at all of the various scenarios as to what he helps people work with. And as we visit during the night, I'm anticipating that some of you are going to want to write to Henry and you're going to want to know more about Henry. So let me tell you his website is familybusinessusa.com and his email is simply henry, H-E-N-R-Y, at familybusinessusa.com. Quick station break. We'll be right back.
0: This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network from Profits Plus.
1: So our guest tonight, Henry Hutchison from Family Business USA. Henry, when we as a business owner, a family, call you, um, we are sometimes talking about succession, but are we not at some point in time discussing that we want to, all of us want to leave the business, we want to get out, and are, are there times where the decision is we want to close it, but we want to close it without arguing amongst each other? Will, will all those situations be possibilities of where you work?
2: Well, maybe. I mean, if a group of people have gotten together and said they're going to sell it, I'm not your guy. I mean, I can, I help. I don't do that. I don't sell businesses. But I, from the na- the nature of my position, I as a consultant, I can help people find uh, discreetly find leads of buyers, so to speak, um, under that umbrella.
1: Okay. Um but well, now yes, if, if one of us are, wanted to leave and one of us doesn't want to leave? Is that now your, that's a now different? Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's a
2: natural that's that's a more natural, you know, hey, I wanna sell we want to sell and we don't want to sell. And now there's an argument because there's a disagreement and I take no you know, I help them go through the financial piece of it is, you know, what are we talking about from a money perspective, right? And now the question is how much does that money matter? <laughs> And if there's people that want out, and the you know people want to sell, really it's just a matter of saying, hey, I want to stop doing this thing, and I want to get a chunk of change. We're really just talking about money. So if people want to keep it, now it's a matter of, okay, I want to keep it. Can I get you that money, as opposed to selling it? Now the nature of it is, you know, if you've got a minority interest and so on and so forth, you don't get the value that you would get if we all decided we wanted to sell, because now you can go try to. Um, find the top market value of this of this business. But yeah, when people leave, they typically are going to need some money out of this, and it depends on how much money, and maybe there's other things besides money that they may want, so I help them figure that all out.
1: Okay. So, in your 20-plus years of having done this, can you um, put into the boxes, I would say, that there's like three, four, five, two, whatever the number may be, of issues that generally have to be resolved?
2: Um, well, um, I've got a philosophy, which I don't think is a philosophy. I think it's true. But So you're a family business. You are having a thought that you want to keep it in the family or you'd like it, it to continue. You don't want to just sell it. So you get three all-successful family business transitions have to go through three gates successfully in order to get to the other side. Now, there's lots of other problems and issues and gates and so on and so forth, but nobody gets there without going through these three gates. Gate number one is, is the next generation sufficiently interested and capable uh, to run the business? Or can we get them there? So you take a couple of twenty five year olds, okay. They sound interested, they seem interested, it makes sense they're interested. They seem quite capable, but hey, I'm just twenty-five, you know, so I don't really know yet. So you need to kinda say we've got some we've got some good clay to work with and we can shape this thing and see where we go. Um, that's kinda number one. Number two is somebody's running this thing right now, the current generation and because of the psychology and because of the, everything that goes along with having run a business for so many years, it's difficult to have somebody come in and do what you do. And so it's difficult to step back. And you need to step back because you're never going to know if the next generation can actually capably run this business unless you actually let them run this business. So you've got to step back enough to let them get, the hand, get their hands on the wheel so that we can see that they can actually drive this thing when they're sitting in the seat. So now with that said, I'm not saying that you got to leave, leave, leave and never come back. I'm just saying you got to give them enough of the responsibility so that you can see that they can do this thing and then you can plug yourself in in a variety of different ways as somebody who's handed over the reins. Does I mean you have to get out of the business. There's there's plenty of work that can be done and plenty of help that's needed and You can make money and you can have time here and you can add value and you can be, you know, internally satisfied with what you're doing. Number three is, okay, so I've done all this. Everything's working out well, but you've got, you know, a brother and a brother and a sister who are running this thing together. Are they going to be able to get along well enough together in this business to operate this business together? Sometimes, I mean, the real famous story is the Ambani brothers. Um, their dad was a big guru from India. And I, I shouldn't say guru, but big business, you know, very prestigious businessman, multi-billion dollar business, had two kids, and the two kids ran it. They, one had a degree, MBA from Stanford, one had an MBA from Harvard, and they were extremely bright, extremely motivated, and they could not get along at all. And they ended up literally having to cut the business in half and give each one of them half of the business, which is a better solution than the whole thing imploding because they were arguing. But gate three, can the next generation get along well enough together to run this business? So you got to get through those three things. So that's a framework that okay. I really – and it's not even a framework. I mean, ask somebody, think it through, there you have it. Um, and kind of well, underline all well, of that. Let me ask you
1: this question right quick. Uh, sure. Looking at your number three and the example that you gave about the, the siblings – if, if you know, is the story true that that's the story of Puma and Adidas or Adidas, however you want to pronounce it, that these two shoe companies were actually brothers? Yes.
2: Um, Adidasler, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they were working together. and um, I think Adidasler was the guy that had the majority shares, came up the exact details, but they argued so much that they... The other brother went across, as I recall it, he went across to the other side of the river and started Puma. And so Puma right. and Adidas are two brothers from a business. <laughs> and uh, Adidas, there's an acronym for that that I won't say on your radio show, but it actually comes from a guy named Adidasler. Adidas, which is maybe how the Germans pronounce it, but we call it Adidas.
1: My Just favorite them. too. Well uh, see, well there we go. We when we, I'm a puma fan. <laughs> well there we <laughs> like, go. Like, there we go. I like the I like the fit of a puma. And I have a son and no, he can't stand pumas. To each their own. Okay, hey, so it's bomb the hour. Um our tradition is at bomb the hour. We give our guest about a ninety second break to take and have a drink of water, catch their breath. Uh, But it's important that we tell you you who's this fascinating person that we speak to because we're going to go through some examples in the second half of the show of things that have happened. So if you're listening and thinking, oh, our our case is really weird. Now, Henry's going to share some really unique combinations of situations with us so that you understand you're not alone out there. The neat part is there's a person out there, a Henry Hutchison, who is highly qualified has gone through all kinds of businesses over the last 20 years. And this is what this man does for a living is come in and help people make as smooth a transition, if necessary, solve some challenges. And uh, Henry can be found on our website, familybusinessusa.com, and his email is henry at familybusinessusa.com. And for our our break, this evening I found a a uh, A group, a country artist. They're called the Pistol Annies. Uh, I picked this one just because I thought the words were kind of cute. And again, looking at the dark side of what we're talking about. Listen in while we give Henry a break. we give Henry his 90 seconds, we're not going to forget to listen to the second and third verse. Let me just tell you, it's Pistol Annie's and Family Feud, and as you go through the song, um, yeah, some of us who've been in families, when someone has passed and you watch what happens next, its yeah, it can be ugly. But that's what Henry is here for. So Henry, let's see. You have said, you, we've got three, as you called them, gates that we need to go through. The first one is making sure that the next generation has an interest in the business, And that they are capable of running the business. And I look at that and think, hmm, if they're not capable, who was it that failed to teach them? The second part is, and I think of a couple of businesses I've watched this happen in, that it is difficult for the generation to pass it on to the next one. And it's a challenge of being able to step back from something that you loved, created, coddled all the wonderful things to it and then three is when we have you use the word siblings but it might also be cousins or whatever that can these individuals get along when it comes their turn to to run the business am i repeating you pretty good yep that's it okay you got it so um uh, Give us an example. Tell, let's, let's spend our second half of the hour. Let's look at some examples and things. Tell us of, of some situations that you think uh, Yeah, sure. most of our listeners are going to be retailers. There's some of them who are going to be some service industries. But uh, give us some examples of situations and thoughts as to what they can do.
0: So let me
2: start here. Uh, you mentioned that... Uh you know, interested and capable, and why aren't they capable? Did they not get, you know, why why are they not capable? Who didn't do what? But I find, I mean, that's true. Um, sometimes when it comes to are the kids interested and capable, certainly you have some next generation, and it's a big one, next generation potentials who have a sense of entitlement. Um, you know, my mom or dad's a big cheese, and I'm the child, and so therefore I have a sense of entitlement, basically thinking I'm good or important just because of I'm being related to my parents, which has nothing to do with the empirical, you know, are you actually good at what you do? Or are you good at your stuff? So that I do think that the parents have a lot to contribute to, why that turned out the way it did. Um, but sometimes you really... Um, people are different. You know, when you graduate from high school or college, there's the A students, the B students, and the C students. I don't think it's just because they didn't try and they didn't have efforts, which sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just raw capability, you know. Do they get this thing? So I had a client um, for, for current generations, and two of them had two kids each. And we went through a process, and it kind of turned out that Each of the parents had two children that one was very motivated, very interested, very uh, broad thinking, thinking ahead. What do we need to take the business? What are the changes we need to make? And then had another one who just had trouble showing up to work on time, just had trouble explaining where he was during the day, um, just had trouble. And they did everything they could to take corrective measures. um, And it ultimately ended up, um with a situation where it, we had to kind of apprise two of the chill, two of the potentials that hey, you're not gonna be the one that's running the company. You and your your brother or your brothers are gonna you know, your brother's gonna be running the company. These two guys are gonna be running the company. You guys are gonna work. If you guys want to work here, you can work here. Um but, you know, you have to do work to get paid. We're not gonna show any favoritism. Um and so that's a hard conversation to have. Um, and at the same time, those that were capable, you know, they were really good and motivated, but they still needed to be groomed and trained, and those are the ones that we're making the room for, but you're also having the other conversation with, you know, you guys are not going to be the leaders of this company. There's uh, obviously the floor. Where the floor falls out is when you have to actually, when you have a situation where there isn't anybody I've only got one child or two children, and neither are capable. And had a client like that where, to your point, one of them was simply not capable, um, but he was letting his child hide out in the business, hoping something would happen. But from an outside perspective, I had to tell him it's not going to get there. And then there was the other son who was actually pretty capable, except his dad had stuck him in one role for 20 years and now the guy's finding himself, after 20 years of working here at the age of 45, having honed his skill in this one particular area that he was really good at, but it wasn't fundamental to the business. And so it's tough to take somebody that only is a one-trick pony and say, I need you to run this business. So, sorry, you were
1: going to comment. Well, my my thought is... You know, I've seen people where if there's multiple child and you get one of the children who wants the piece of the business like, okay, mom and dad divide the business up to, to three of us, but one of them like, I'm just, I'll go back to a retail example. I'm a clerk on a floor. I'm happy being a clerk on the floor. I don't want to be a manager of the store. I don't want to be the responsibilities. <coughs> and I, I've seen the challenge of a person where Well, I want a third, and it's like you might get a third of the ownership, but you're sure not going to get equal pay as your siblings if you're the one who is not leading the pack here. Well, and I will. Why should a a salesperson eat as as much as a president?
2: I will go a step further on that. Those who are leading the business need to have control of the business. So, um, let's say you've got three children, where one is the obvious leader of the business, potential future leader of the business, and then you have two who are, you know, not that they're bad, but you guys are not going to be the leaders of the business. You know, you could be just middle of the road. You're capable at your mid-level job, and you're happy with that, and so on and so forth. And I've got three kids, and I'm going to leave you each a third of the business. Well, if you do it just like that, then you have left control sixty six percent in the hands of the two people who are not the leaders of the business. So you create some voting shares or you do something that says, hey, from a money perspective, you can own you can all own a third minus one share, because I'm going to create three shares that are voting shares through a legal process that says these are the shares that control the business and you give those to the leader so that the leader can, you know, legally have the the say so in running the business. Not to get too complicated. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to throw my family as like, oh, aren't we great? Because I mean, I, I, I'm always concerned that when I speak and I, as I am teaching, I always tell stories of experience and I go, please do not see me as we were from this really neat family. We had more than our fair shares of feuds and fights and people think I'm joking when I say, I lost track how many times my father fired me. And would get aggravated <laughs> and throw me out of the and throw me out of the store. Yeah. And I says, my, and I jokingly say, look, why can't we have this fight like at eight in the morning, and you throw me out and I get the day off? Why do you throw me out like at five o'clock and we're closing? You know, what, well, what my value? question is why he's throwing
2: you out whatsoever at all. I mean, obviously we need to.
1: It was issue. You there, got to sit there, down there and have be, a plan. You know there there would be issues I think, but there were two things that I had happened in our business that I would think, yeah, this was really helpful, and the first one was the day I walked in to the store as an adult and walked into my my the office and my, the office was shared by my mom, my dad and the and the business manager, and my dad stood up and said, "My name is Frank." Points to my mom. And says her name is Shirley, and that is what you will address us as. There will be none of this in this family, in this business, of mom and dad. When you come to our house, we come to your house. It's mom and dad. But in any business setting, those are our names, and that's how you are to address us. And I, you know, I in later life, I was appreciative. As I, it was I, I felt the push off, and like, you know, I was an employee. I did not own the business. Um, but the one I would ask you about to see, well, gee, was my dad doing pretty good, was that when they decided they were going to retire at some many years down the line, we did have to come to that family discussion as to how do we do this financially? How do we do this? Because you were grooming me and make, and you were working less hours and I was being responsible for things. And they said, "Well, here here was their proposal, and ours was very simple. Uh, we will take the business, and we will evaluate it at the end. You know, we'll have the accountant do the valuation. We all agreed to our, our accountant to do the the valuation of the business. And the discussion had to be, well, if I have worked for you for the last 15 years or so, then am I not?" working against myself because I'm making the business more valuable by helping to build it, and now you want me to pay for what I just built. Seems yep. to me you know, I should sit here and do nothing. And we came to an agreement. They said, we'll go back and value the business at the day we bought it. We will take and look at the business on the day that you're going to take it over. We will look at what the difference is, and you will pay half of it. Okay, As, well, or you'll if get half you of that, is that your, you know, and, right. uh, and t- now my mother didn't like it. My mother says, no, I was here, your dad was here, you here. No, you should only get a third. And my dad's like, no, he should get half. And they went back and forth before we, ca- you know, before they came to the agreement between them. That was an argument I didn't get to participate in. And I'm thinking, you know, that was pretty gum good, Mom and Dad, the way you took and, uh. You know, discussed it and, and put it together as to here's how we transition because I think a kids got to get some ideas as to how are they going to take it to come into the business financially and there was a whole lot of stuff I don't go down the path with people to explain as I'm saying uh, boy there's a lot of things after it's all over I thought yeah you should have taught me more of this and should have taught me more of that
0: yep it's true
2: um and that's part of, you know, kids, are they interested and capable? Can they step back? Can they get along? But in the middle of all that is you can't – there's a money conversation in there that must take place. Uh, you've got the IRS. I mean, are you gifting all of this stuff? Is, or is it compliant with the IRS? How much money do you need? How are we going to buy this thing out? Where's the money going to come from? How do we optimize our taxes? But the big thing is, you know, we got to come to a mutual agreement on how much it is that I'm going to be paying you for this thing, right? And I got no. to tell you that a lot of times the current generation is trying to is will go and say, "This is what you're going to pay me," and because you're the child, you say, "Okay, that's it," and it doesn't work out in the end because the numbers were not achievable. So,
1: that's do you see where, the ones where the child is not of? Uh, where the child has worked in the business, the parents want to sell the business, they want money out of the business, but the reality is, in all the years that the child worked in the business, they never paid him enough money that they could have possibly put away funds to buy it?
2: Oh, well, that's, yes.
1: That's, that's almost always the case.
2: Uh, the way that it kind of normally works is that I need you to stop I need to be running the reason why you want to make sure you need to step back and make sure they're running the business is because I'm going to step out I'm going to stop running this business but I'm going to retain the ownership I need you to continue running this business so it spits off cash so that you can pay me over the next ten years so I need to know that you can run this business so that this business will spit off cash so that I know that I will get my money right
1: mm-hmm
2: that's kind of the that's kind of where you begin the conversation. Yeah. I
1: I seem to think there are people who
2: don't catch this. And if you don't, and if you don't, through the process of the work that, hey, there are family businesses that don't need help. There are family businesses that make these transitions. They've got good communication. They're all knowledgeable. They get through it without help. You know, they typically have done some reading. I'm going to do seminars. What have you? Um, but you need to be able to have a level of communication, a healthy communication going on so that you can discuss these things and understand that we have to discuss these things. And I'm not being personal, but, hey, I, you need to understand that I'm going to need some money out of this thing. And I understand that you're going to have to pay me this, and so you're on the other side of this table. But, hey, I love you and you love me, and so let's try to figure out a common ground so it works for both of us, right? We want it to – work because we love each other, we want it to work for each other. So we need to be able to communicate with each other about things, about our individual needs without the other person getting offended. Not that I'm putting a, you know, I must have this. I'm saying this is how I'm thinking, right? But a lot of times you, are, you don't have practice in talking about these things and you don't have practice in talking about sensitive things because you have this parent-child relationship, boss-employee relationship, and now the child-slash-employee has to step up say, hey, I need you to listen to me because I need to tell you some things, and you need to digest it like I'm your equal. That's what makes it difficult
1: amongst a variety of other things. Interesting dynamics. Quick station break. Henry Hutchison from Family Business USA is our guest for tonight's program. You can find Henry at familybusinessusa.com, Henry at familybusinessusa.com, or... um, Go to your local bookstore. Do not go to Amazon. Go to your local bookstore, or I even saw it in an airport not too terribly long ago. Henry has this book called Dirty Little Secrets of Family Business, Ensuring Success from One Generation to the Next. Good read, and as I look at some of the testimonials on the back, I recognize our mutual friend, Jeff Morey, uh, as one of the people endorsing the the book. I would heartily suggest it because we're talking about an important issue with you and your business. So, quick station break. We'll be right back to
0: finish up tonight's program. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. So,
1: Henry Hutchinson of Family Business USA is with us and he was telling us about some of the dynamics. Henry, let's go for the one where we're looking at succession of business from one generation to the next and that issue of the older generation being able to actually step back from what they were doing. Seems to be a concern. I've seen that in
2: businesses. It's tricky. Um, No, I'm not going to say it's tricky. It takes effort. Um, You know, I'm going through a situation right now I mean, I'm always going through the situation, but the, 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 there's two brothers. Uh, one of the brothers has the kids. Um, there's a lot of issues going on, but the one, the one, the dad who has the two kids, he has done this his whole life. This is his whole life since he was a child, and he inherited the business. He went to college, but he came straight back to the business. He worked there through college. He's never done anything else. So this is going to be be one of the hardest, this will be the hardest thing he's ever done in his life, is to try to let go of the reins of this thing. And there is no silver bullet here. But just like anything that we have to do in life that we know that's good for us and we know that we're going to have to do this thing, fertilizing and tilling up the ground before you do it is very helpful, you know? You know that one day you're going to have to hand over the ranks. How are you going to handle that? What are you going to do with yourself? What role would you like to have? We're not doing anything today. We don't don't even know when we're going to do this. But this is coming one day if you want to transition this thing. So laying the groundwork and getting in your mind that you know this is going to have to happen. At some point in time, you leave enough runway to get used to the idea so that you can find places and things and ways to say, hey, I think I can give this up a little bit, and I'll be okay. I think I can give this up a little bit, and I'll be okay. Now, here's one of the dirty little secrets. One of the dirty little secrets that I use with my clients is you've got the current generation, and they're working all the time because they love this thing, and they're good at it, um, and they start saying, hey, I'm going to step back, I'm going to step back, I'm going to step back one day. Great. I want you to pick one day a week that you are no longer going to come into work. You now get a three-day weekend out of a week. Now, you can do a Friday and Monday. I got a guy that's doing a Wednesday right now because it works out with his wife. You can't call in the office. You can't email the office. You don't text in the office. You completely disengage entirely. Let's see if you can take one day away from the office. If you can't do that, then don't tell me you've got no problem backing out. You should be able to do that, right? A, a, B. The cool thing is, the ones that are running the business. Hey, I get to run the business today, so now they get the responsibility. Any questions that come up, it's their problem, right? Things not going to burn down in a day, so you're fine. So that's that's a way to that's a that's a that's a technique that I use that people are very receptive to and is helpful and trying to push them
1: along and try to figure out how do I move on to the next. And if you can't do that, then there's other conversations that we need to have about how do you deal with that separation that you need to start putting in your life.
2: Well, and you know it is—it is hard. I mean, some people, lots of lots of current generations say, yeah, 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 I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave, and they never do, and they never do, and it starts to create conflict. So there's, you know, and it's really just the leadership perspective. The next generation is pushing and grabbing and saying, I think we need to strategically move in this direction. Uh, We need to do these things, and you're interfering, and now conflict starts to occur. Let me give you another dirty little secret. It's important for the current generation to understand and realize that people are different and people have different skill sets, but that doesn't mean they can't do the task in front of them. They just do it in a different way. So maybe I'm a financially astute guy that runs my business from a financial perspective, and so my viewpoint is in order to run this business, you need to do it like I do it. But maybe my child is a genius sales and marketing person. Now, they need to have enough financial knowledge to do this. But you need to, we need to all understand that our children are going to be different than us. They'll have some commonality probably, but they're going to do it differently. So don't use, don't use the measuring stick as do it like I do it because that's the only way to do it. Now, certainly they have to demonstrate that they can do the basics. They have to understand the way that you do it. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to do it their own way. And as a guy named Chris Cecil, who's a Vanderbilt family member, he runs a family office, um, terrific guy, uh-huh. he gave a presentation. He, he and I are friends, colleagues. He, he had a very enlightening statement. He said, when you transition your business from one generation to the next, people think, hey, I'm going to take this thing and continue it on, continue on the family business. He says, no, that's not it at all. You are an entrepreneur, and you are starting your own business. You're just starting from this point. Take your father's business, grab it, and now it's yours, and you are an entrepreneur. You just have these assets and business and operations that are already there, and now you need to figure out how am I going to run this thing for the next 20, 30 years. And then when you hand it off to your child, they're going to take this thing, and they're going to be entrepreneurs, and they're going to take that as their starting point, and they're going to go create their own business. That that spirit is what makes the next
1: generation work. Okay. So we have about uh, three minutes left, Henry. What can you tell us in three minutes that <laughs> will take? And, uh well, meaningful, I, will but, uh... I will tell you, I will tell you,
2: I will tell you. Typically the question is, okay, so what is the one thing that you need to tell our family business listeners that they need to know? Okay. And my answer is there is no one thing, obviously, but I have created a one thing. Two thirds of family businesses don't make it from one generation to the next And, oh, by the way, that's generation one to two, two to three, three to four. It's not the reason why the third, everybody thinks it's the third generation is because they've been around so long that we know them. And so when they go under, we all gasp because it went under. Whereas you lose it from one to two, people don't know you as well. But there's 66% that fail going from one to two as well. The number one reason I contend why family businesses don't make it is because they don't realize how hard it is to be a family in business. Business is about making profit, and family is about unconditional love and support. And those two things do not naturally combine. They're not oil and water, but they don't naturally combine. Therefore, it's difficult. Therefore, if you're going to try to do something difficult, it's not going to happen naturally. People think my kids are bright, we've got a good business, we talk well, we're we'll get along. It'll happen naturally. It will not. You must put forth some kind of effort directed specifically towards the transitioning of your family business, not your business and not your family, but your family business and the transition. You have to put forth effort. And step number one, is you need to get in a room with everybody that's a part of this thing and say, hey, being a family business is hard. We need to put forth some effort. We want to transition this thing. Let's agree that we're going to meet on a regular basis to discuss whatever we need to discuss in order to prepare ourselves to transition this family business.
1: We're going to put forth effort. So like a company would have a department meeting, management meeting, you're proposing the same thing from a family situation that we need a family business meeting to, to make sure this happens.
2: Regular, and when I present to people, I ask everybody to pull out their iPhone or their smartphone and say, I want you to put a meeting on your calendar and have it repeat once a year minimum, hopefully more often, it says family business meeting. Whether you need it or not, get everybody in the room and just say, "What do we, what do we want to talk about?" And oh, by the way, Malcolm For- Steve Forbes, who I saw present, I asked him what's the secret to their success. He said communication. They have a regular meet, they have a family business meeting every 90 days. It's a mandatory meeting with no agenda. People just call in, show up. And people always get to talk about whatever they want to talk about, and everybody gets to hear whatever they want to talk about. There are no communication issues, or they get them hammered out in the meeting.
1: So if a business of that size that Forbes has sees that they have a need for that kind of communication, surely those of us who have a small family business would find ourselves with the same need. Absolutely. Our guest for tonight's program, as it's time to uh, close up shop, has been Henry Hutchison. So to find Henry, number one, wrote a neat book, Dirty Little Secrets of Family Business, Ensuring Success from One Generation to the Next. You can find Henry at FamilyBusinessUSA.com, and his email is henry at FamilyBusinessUSA.com. Henry, we thank you. We appreciate that you would be so kind to uh, give an hour to share information. We hope we've helped people uh, where necessary to wake up to things that they need to be doing. And for those who go, hmm, can't think I can put this whole thing together myself, we've told you there's a specialist out there that you just may be needing and wanting to talk to, and we recommend Henry Hutchison. Everyone, thank you for joining us for Small Business Conversations. We'll be back next month. We sure enjoyed having you.
0: Thanks, Tom. It has been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests next month right here on Small Business Conversations from Profits Plus Solutions. This is PDN the profitable business network visit our website to learn more about us at profitsplus.org there you will find our catalog of small business conversations articles and advisories news meeting planners calculators and resources also we invite you to connect with profits plus solutions on our various social media channels please like or connect with us on facebook linkedin slideshare Twitter, and YouTube. We have links to all our social media channels on our homepage at profitsplus.org. Thank you for joining us.